Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by uh, Nick Roush in Louisville. Nick, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself today, Freddie? I'm doing good. Uh, uh, I took Ellie yesterday, and we adopted a cat from the Humane Society in Lexington. So I am now a cat owner. Uh, Wow. Yeah, Daisy May is her name. She's three months old, and we brought her home last night with a shopping cart full of stuff for her you know i had to get the whole gear man i had to get the the house the scratching thing oh of course food and water bowl uh toys Mm -hmm. food uh you name it so i'm a cat owner man i like it uh much easier than than dogs i mean they don't do a lot you know they just kind of sit around and do nothing Yeah. yeah they um I, I feel like they, I mean, you have the one downside, the litter box. Litter boxes are, are pretty gross. Um, yeah. But aside from that, like, you know, that's not too bad, right? No, I mean, you know, I mean, Ellie's happy, so I'm happy. You know, what what, what was the name of that movie, Meet the Parents, when they trained that cat to use the toilet? That <laughs> That's my goal, is uh, is to train Daisy Mae to – to use the toilet. So if I get that done, then I'll, I'll go down in the hall of fame of, of animal trainers. So hopefully I can get that done, but no, man, she's cool. I mean, she just, she's just sitting here right now looking at me like, you know, what are you doing? What are you talking about? So well, you, uh, it's you just got to hope man. that she don't start playing with like the headphones. That's when it, you get oh, in trouble. Yeah. 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 Well, I got her some cool toys, so she should be good to go. Are you okay, a dog good. or a cat person, Nick? I, I'm a dog person. Uh, you ever had a cat? It. Uh, it's been the, um, it, it's always been for me, the allergies. Allergies don't, oh, don't do well okay. for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why it's never been a, something that I've done kind of deal. You know, yeah. one thing before we get into football, talking about cats and dogs and humane society, adopting a pet is a process man i mean it, it is a serious yeah, process they're gonna give to go it through. to just some jackaloon you know i like that man i think that's awesome i you know i had no idea it was that a, that detailed of a process so um i liked it i think it's great that that the that the animals are given to folks that uh can provide a good home and, mm-hmm. and i appreciated the the thoroughness of the humane society and i actually made a little donation to them yesterday so uh I'm all in. So I'm a cat man now, Nick Rouse. So nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, my life has changed. Uh, the next topic I want to get to is is it's it's the time of year when a lot of folks are sending me tape, video, film, whatever of prospects to to evaluate, right? And and I like to do that, and, and I never turn anybody down. I mean, I always give my honest opinion, and and I get several. You know, sometimes several a day that people want me to take a look at. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. If you send me video of shorts, T-shirt, seven on seven with a little goofy bicycle hat, I ain't going to watch it. I am not. I'm not going to. And that's that's not to offend anybody, but I ain't going to watch it. 
it's not worth my time because I mean, not real football. Well, the, the quarterback takes takes a drop, and he's got four seconds to make a read, and make a pass, right? Mm-hmm. What's the threat to? What is the threat there that the buzzer is going to be too loud after four seconds and hurt his ears? I mean, it, there's no. That's you can't evaluate a quarterback, in my opinion, at the level that I like to evaluate players if it's not real football. Because if there's no threat of the rush, you don't have you, you can't see the, the quarterback avoid the rush, uh, scramble, and you can't see that. Then then it's it's, it's just you can't do that. I, I've seen quarterbacks that are all Americans in seven on seven, and and routes against air and all that. Now you put a pass rush against some of these guys, they couldn't play dead in the western. So. Same way with receivers. I mean, what's the threat? You don't have Mel- a Melvin Johnson type player over there that's going to run through your ear hole. So there's there's no threat there. I've seen receivers that on the track and in routes against the air, etc. You know, are legit four four guys. Now you put somebody bumping them at the line of scrimmage where they have to to beat the corner off the line of scrimmage to get into the route and then go over the middle where there's a threat of a of a Yusuf Corker or a Melvin Johnson or a Travis Tisdale out there, mm-hmm. it changes the game. So, and then same with with one on one pass rush and, and all that. It, it's just not, you know. So, listen, it, I appreciate all film that you sent, and I will watch and I will give my honest assessment. But please make sure that that film is in pads in a game. From high school, I'm not. I, I just, I just refuse to watch the other stuff. I'm sorry. And I would like to add that I will not watch any film because, uh, as much as I like to think that I know football, uh, my opinion. Just ask your coach. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Your coach knows yeah. much better than me. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do some kid who's you know kentucky's recruiting just because it's kind of fun but i'm yeah i don't watch that much high school film i don't know you know i yeah i will say freddie i still remember my first um my first uk practice back and this is when joker was coaching and i was just shocked by the speed the size well hell that wasn't even comparable to what they have now so my perspective on size speed all that it's been I, i've been out of the high school game for so long it's all it's it's a little skewed you know I, yeah I'm, I'm used to watching sec football which is basically like nfl football so it's a little it, it's gotten a little bit more difficult for me to to tell you know especially if kids are playing kind of small school ball and um, yeah you know it's just yeah it's a, you, you have to project yeah you have to project you know with josh allen you know he was a what 215 218 pound and in the dirt defensive end, you had to project with that frame. You know, you had to project him at 250, stand him up at that jack linebacker position, and then evaluate. I mean, it, it goes across the board for every position like that. And and I enjoy evaluating tape. I mean, I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I just I just can't do the the shorts, t-shirt, and bicycle helmet circuit. It just I I get nothing from it. So uh, if you're, if you're going to send me tape, send me actual football game tape. And, mm-hmm. and I'll look at it, but I, I just, I, you know, I had to, I had to nip that in the bud. I, I couldn't do it anymore, man. So just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Spring practice is getting ready to start up, Nick. Um, mm-hmm. You, I, me, you, everybody's guilty of this, of putting out pre-spring practice depth charts. 
Yep. But let's be honest, that's clickbait because it's all guesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are sure starters. Now you can pencil, you can sharpie in Chris Rodriguez, Darren Kennard, Luke Fortner. We're just talking offense today on about spring practice. Mm-hmm. Luke Fortner, Darren Kennard, Chris Rodriguez, Josh Ali, Wandell Robinson. Even though we, I want, I'd love, I want to watch him in the blue and white. Um, other than that, I mean, they're they, you know, Justin Riggs slash Keaton Upshaw. You can sharpie right, those right. guys in. But there's there are going to be some some critical position battles in spring practice. Now I will say this, and I'm the world's worst about it. So I'm talking to myself here. I'm not talking to anybody else. We can't get ahead of ourselves in spring practice, mm-hmm. especially on the offensive side of the football, because it's going to be a lot of install. It's going to be a lot of learning the system. It's going to be learning how to huddle. It's going to be learning how the plays come in from the sideline or the press box. And it's going to be a total different operation. So there's a lot of things that's going to have to be learned before you can really see what's going to happen with that offense. And I will say this as well. Football, college football has changed so much since I played. Used to be, Nick, spring practice was when, okay, that depth chart was set. I mean, if you, you know, if you didn't, if you're not in the top two after spring practice, then then you're not going to be in the top two starting fall camp, which led to the game. It's different now. College football is a year-round cycle. It's a year-round process. So the team is right now in winter workouts where they can also meet with their coaches and do system install. We're talking offense here. Leading into spring practice, then you get, what, 15 practices or so, and then it's culminated with the blue-white game. All right. Used to be that was it until fall camp, but that's that's not the case anymore. You have winter or summer workouts, which is which have always been there, but it's different now. Coaches have certain times during the year and certain and a certain allotted amount of time to do hand on hands on coaching during the summer months leading up to fall camp. So you get the evaluation process of spring practice, then you get the evaluation process of summer workouts with the coaches when allowed that leads into fall camp. So it's a process. So I'm going to have to talk to myself down about getting overly excited about a player at a position, overly excited, overhyped, overplay certain decisions that are made or move personnel moves because it's easy to fall into that trap and I'm the world's worst with it. So I'm going to try to try to not do that this spring. Yeah, but we're going to get carried away at some point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's inevitable. Um, so I'm, but to your, to your point though, Freddie, it is going to be a spring. That's what's the word I'm looking for productive. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how much we're going to get out of them learning the playbook. So I, I'll just be interested how the kind of, it'll be it'll be new for all of us because over the last four years it's been kind of same old same old this changing it up just the vibe from it that should be exciting it really it really yeah. should be just to have something different having something new um and, and that should change up the way that they practice um than yeah. what they've done the last four years you know i'm i'm as interested in the process as i am the result uh of how plays are going to be signaled in 
of personnel groupings, uh, you know, it, it, 11 personnel, 12 personnel. I mean, what are we going to see? Uh, I'm interested in seeing, uh, like I said, that there are certain positions that are going to be up for competition and the first chance to earn a job will be spring practice. And those positions, I mean, we've talked about it before. And, and I think the, the, the buildup, the anticipation of a quarterback competition is new for us. We've not had that in a few years. So mm-hmm. uh, that is exciting that leading into spring practice. And we'll start with that position because we're, we'll just talk about the positions that are, that are up for competition. First and foremost, at quarterback, you have Bo Allen and then you have Joey Gatewood. One of those two could separate during the spring, but, but not likely. Uh, because they're going to be doing a lot of install, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, learning the system, learning the plays, and 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 I think I think especially uh, with the Penn State transfer uh, Levis, uh, it's going to fall. It's going the quarterback competition is going to bleed over into fall camp. We'll see from that point, but it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to me to watch Bo and Joey compete for the job because they're going to be asked to do things that most likely they've never done before. Little things, mm-hmm. hand and arm signals, possibly, I don't know, hand and arm signals uh, from the sideline. Because you got to remember, Cohen's coming from the National Football League where the offensive coordinator in the off- uh, has a microphone that goes directly to the quarterback's helmet. That's how you call plays. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have that microphone in college. You don't have that speaker system from coordinator to quarterback's helmet. So how, how are those plays going to, going to get into the, onto the field? And then Bo and Joey are going to have to learn what a huddle is. And, you know, it's not been used in a while. Huddles when the quarterback, the, t- the offense gathers behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> the quarterback comes in, calls the for- personnel formation play and snap count. They break and go to the line of scrimmage. It's a new concept, but little things like that. I, I want to see who handles that the best. <laughs> but yeah, quarterback is anytime you have a quarterback competition, spring practice, uh, the interest in spring practice automatically elevates. Oh, definitely. Uh, and and it goes back to two. Some of it's just like I would like to see them pass the ball some like that'd yeah. be fun you know just something different uh and also just to hear from Bo I mean yeah you know, has he ever he's never even stood at the podium you know so well, yeah we've well, not heard it, a lot from Joey either exactly so um man it's a, it's just all new uh, there, yeah. there's a lot of newness to it and like you said it, it the newness is going to generate excitement the next position uh that there's there with Drake Jackson leaving and then uh, landed young leaving two longtime starters at center and at tackle. There are going to be positions along the big blue wall that, that are going to have to be filled. And all accounts that we've heard and read is that Darian Kennard is moving from right tackle to left. So the right tackle position uh, will be one that's, that's going to have competition. Uh, lost in the mix as, as far as projected projections at that position is the fact that Nasir Watkins is coming back from injury and he's played a lot of snaps. He's actually started some games. So uh, I think, I think he'll get first look at right tackle based on his experience. Uh, then you have Jeremy Flax 
Uh, I'm DeAndre also curious Buford. if if Watkins is going to be back this spring too. Yeah, you know? me too. If if he is, if he is back, uh, right, right. I mean, you, you're going to have to pencil him pencil him in as an initial starter. Uh, I want to see where they play John Young. I, I want to see where he is. Is he inside? Or is he outside? And that that's something of interest. And then uh, the one that really fascinates me is where would Jagger Burton play? Mm-hmm. Um, he can play at the college level all five spots on the offensive line. So is he going to be the Swiss Army knife of of in of this offensive line? Or will will he be put in a spot and say, okay, this this is it. You learn this position. Jagger, Jagger's football IQ and his knowledge of the game, he, he can learn multiple positions. Right now, Luke Fortner is is the person is the lineman that can play center and both guard spots. I think you're going to see Jagger Burton fall in line with that, but I, I'd like to see him settle in. He is a prototypical right tackle in this system, but he, project, he projects at guard. It's going to be interesting to see where Jagger finishes up during spring practice. I um I did go to the. Uh... The, the School of Hard Knocks, Freddie, um, yeah. if you all didn't know, went to the School of Hard Knocks. And at that school, I learned that um, pretty much all the – especially Wolford, when he was talking, versatility is very important for an offensive lineman. However, yes, that's like, uh, you, you know, crawl before you walk, right? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm learning that right now. Almost got a walking baby. He's close. He's not there all the way yet. <laughs> um, but he's crawling. And Jagger's got to crawl first at one spot. They'll start yeah. to let him walk around, you know, after the spring. But you got to figure out one spot right away. Uh, that first, I mean, Freddie, those first few weeks of, uh, you know, the the practice for those freshmen, like it's it's there's so much adjusting going on. I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be unlike any sort of football they've done before. So you know, he, he'll eventually get in that Swiss Army role, uh, Swiss Army knife role. But you know, I, I, at least not until summer camp. You know, he. Uh, you bring up a good point. <laughs> you can tell the difference in veterans and first-time participants in spring practice on how they how they look. Like Luke Fortner is going into his sixth spring practice, right? <laughs> if he was an earlier, at least his fifth. Oh man, yeah. He'll roll out there with jersey, maybe gloves. You know that. Because his hands, you know, lineman hands get beat up. He then the freshman, out, you know, yeah, some the, of them. The, yeah. the freshmen or the newcomers that come out, gloves, sweatbands, arm or uh, elbow braces. I mean, they'll they'll have everything that their equipment room has just to look cool, you know. But the veterans that come out there, like Kennard and and Luke, and they'll just be okay. Let's, let's get this done. But yeah, right tackle is a position. The guard opposite of Luke Fortner. There's another position that's open, Austin Dotson, Kenneth Horsey, experienced players uh, that uh, that will compete there and provide depth on the interior of the offensive line. A player that I'm fascinated with is R.J. Adams. I really liked his film coming out of high school. He was a four-star player from Virginia, not heard a lot about him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to watch him work in spring practice. You know, if we, if practice is ever open and we get to go see it, R.J. Adams is a player that I'm going to focus in on to see where he is. And then you have Eli Cox there also uh, to work in there. Center position, 
Drake Jackson snapped the football for a long time. Before him, John Toth snapped the football for a long time. Uh, from all accounts, uh, Quentin Wilson uh, looks to replace Drake Jackson at center. Quentin, uh, extremely intelligent young man, yeah, already graduated. Three, yeah. Real smart guy. So he fits that center mold. Played a lot of guard last year. Actually had a start or two. Uh, so, you know, Quinn Wilson is a very good football player. If, if it ends up that he is the center, I think Kentucky's going – it's just going to be passing the baton from Jackson to Wilson. Now, uh, I'm not comparing Wilson to Jackson yet because I think Jack, Drake Jackson, in my opinion, is the best center that I've ever watched play at Kentucky. Those are big shoes to fill, but I think Quentin Wilson will fit in there nicely. Uh, but and then also, you know, you have other players that can play center. I mentioned Luke Fortner can play three positions, probably all five positions. But center, right tackle, uh, quarterback are the three we've talked about so far. Uh, the next one is receiver. In my opinion, you have two starters right now. You have Josh Ali and Wondell Robinson. Alan Daly, I think, is right there uh, because he, he works extremely hard. He gives you everything he's got, and and he's going. I think he has a step up. Uh, Demarcus Harris played a lot last year as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I think he had 14, 15 catches. He had he did some good things. He, he had a case of the year. drops, yeah, yeah, for a little while. He, so he had a typical up and down freshman season. So mm-hmm. you can't judge him on that. And then there's a there's a pack of them from Cleveland Thomas, the veteran, all the way down to the early enrollee, Chauncey Magwood. In between that, you have Isaiah Epps. Even though he's been around a long time, he still has to prove himself. He played um, he he surprised me last year too. And I think he's gonna have to keep surprising if he wants yeah, to he, play on the football yeah, field. Yeah, he's not a player that that you say, okay, that's a sure starter. No, I mean no. He, he's gonna have to earn that. Uh, same, you know, Cleveland Thomas has been around a long time. It's time. Mm-hmm. And then Donut Drennan flashed a little bit. He's in that mix. Ernest Sanders, uh, Isaiah Cummings, uh, Tay Crooms, Mark Stoops mentioned him. Mm-hmm. So there is a bunch of receivers that are going to have to, one or, or, or more than one, are going to have to separate from the pack. Now, who would that be? I don't know because there's some very skilled rookies coming in uh, for the summer that are capable. So right. receiver now, is, now is the time where they get all the shine and you've yep. got to establish yourself near the top of the pecking order um, because there, there's some dudes coming in now. Now there are some dudes. guys going to be uh, walk into a one spot. No, but this is the time to, uh, we, we talked to it previously. It's a nice little trout for in front of your new offensive coordinator. Go make the most of it. Yeah, because Cohen's going to have to make a decision at, during fall camp. Am I going to go with talent that's inexperienced or am I going to go with veterans that aren't as talented but have been around a while and, and have played the game? So I think, you know, obviously the quarterback position is, is the key. But as the receivers go, I think Kentucky will go offensively because it's just not been there. Let's just be honest about it. It's not been there in recent years. Uh, so very much a position to keep your eyes, keep your eyes on is, is the receivers because 
man, it's, 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 there's a bunch of them. And that is also a position. I think if, if a player does not end spring practice in the two deep, you could, you could see some transfers out of that room. Oh, you will. I'm fairly confident of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the last thing about spring practice for the offense, for the veterans, it's going to suck. I'm just going to get it out there. Because you have players, Darian Kennard, Chris Rodriguez Jr., Luke Fordner, Josh Ali, have proven themselves for many years on the game field. There is game tape on those guys excelling in the Southeastern Conference. Normally, this would be a spring where they take a step back, they put in some work, and but let the, let the rookies take over, right? Let the rookies get reps and see where they're at. But since Kentucky has a new offensive coordinator, they're not going to be able to waste reps like that. All the veterans mm-hmm. are going to have to get in there. Now, I do think there, there will be a, a pitch count on Rodriguez. They're not going to let him get hit. No, uh, you know, I mean, no he, he, he'll, he'll get some good looks with the offense, but you're not one that you, you don't want him to take unnecessary hits. But there, there are going to be team periods where you're going to go ones on ones and it's going to be full goal live. And, you know, because Cohen's going to have to see what, what he's got. What, what are the, what are the, uh, uh, the tools that he has in the tool bag that he can use because, you know, to, to enter summer, to enter fall camp. So there's going to be a lot of live action with those ones. For, for several of the players, it wouldn't be the case if there wasn't a new offensive coordinator. Uh, and when I had a lengthy uh, conversation with Luke and uh, Max a few weeks back, Luke, he kind of alluded to it. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. I've got to, I've got to try. I mean, he didn't say it exactly, but it's like I kind of have to try hard again, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's exactly. Just, it's you had your spot. Now it's like you're, you've got to go out there and prove it again. Yeah, I mean that even goes for for the, you know, the sure five star Justin Reed, Keaton Upshaw. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen them. We've seen Darren Kennard. Darren Kennard's an All American top returning offensive lineman in college football. Chris Rodriguez, top returning running back in college football. Luke Fortner, I mean, these guys have proven themselves. But in order to establish timing and rhythm with that offense and to get a true evaluation, they're going to have to go full go, and that's something that would not have been the case uh, yeah. until the new offensive coordinator came around. Right. Um, next item, Nick, this is non-UK related. Oh, a, a player that I absolutely loved in 2020 has hit the transfer portal. Keon Henry Brooks, running back from Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, who I thought I thought was spectacular. That guy, uh, okay. one of the better. He better was so aggravating, backs, better, Freddie. One of the better all-purpose running backs in college football, in my opinion. Now he he wasn't on any lists or charts, but you know this is the, my my opinions are are weird. So uh, that's a big time transfer in the SEC, and that also changed. Well, I mean it's Vanderbilt; they, they it changes their their trajectory. Yeah, because he's their he best was player, a big right? percentage. Yeah, he's their best player on the team. Now he's gone. Uh, you know, let's for Kentucky's hopes. You know, hope it's not. South Carolina or, or Missouri or, or a program. I hope we hope he goes outside the conference because he's a player, even he, even though he's at Vanderbilt, I was not looking forward to seeing him on the opposite side of the field. 
Well, I, I am happy, but also it makes you wonder, like, you know, I thought that Clark Lee addition at Vanderbilt, it made sense. It checked out. The, the guy had a lot of success at Notre Dame. Maybe he could make a good culture there. Kind of striking that despite making what was seemingly the best hire possible, the Keon Henry Brooks is still like, eh, I'm out of here. Yeah, and if you remember back when Derek Mason, you know, was first fired, you and I talked about it, and I said, Henry Brooks is gone. I mean, he, you know, he's gone. He, he's going to find a new home, and he's going to be a – a star in college football. It'd be interesting where he goes. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for uh, hopefully it's it's outside the SEC, right? Because right. I, I'm really not looking forward to seeing him uh, two more times. I mean, I think he's that dynamic. I think he's that good, Nick Rash. I mean, it's, it's a name that people probably aren't familiar with unless you watch Vanderbilt. But but Keon Henry Brooks, in my opinion, was one of the better running backs in the conference, uh, and I don't think it was close. Um, Last topic, Nick Roush. Recently on social media, I've been I've been posting a lot of old pic pictures. Oh, they're great, marvelous pictures too. Yeah, uh, the reason about that, I, I'm I'm not a glory days guy. I mean, I, I, that's not me. But there's you don't a lot like of Bruce talk. Springsteen. No, a lot of talk about uniforms, you know, logos, etc. So, I, I'm a uniform buff. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love studying, evaluating, and, and analyzing and comparing uniforms. So what I did was, you know, during the era that I was UK at UK, then, you know, about a 15, 20 year era, uniforms are virtually the same. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to point out a few, few nuances and a few trivia uh, questions per se, like, the picture I put up of All-American Oliver Barnett, defensive and defensive tackle. The last year that Kentucky had the cat paws, t- cat paws stickers, which I think are beautiful, by the way. Pretty cool. I, I the, feel like the, the the using the stickers in general is kind of dying out of college football. I don't like it. Has. It has. It's like it you got Brutus. Um, I guess Florida State still does it. Does Michigan Florida still State, do it? Michigan, Florida State does it. Um, Ohio State, I can't. Ohio State, Clemson does it. Does LSU? Does it. No, LSU never has. Georgia used to. Okay. Yeah, Georgia did the dog anymore. bones. They got rid of the yeah. dog bones. Oh, yeah, man. So uh, the the stickers, the merit stickers are, are are dying out. Yeah. But the last time Kentucky had merit stickers was 1989, and the player that had the most was Oliver Barnett with 60. So. That's an interesting factor. That's why I put this picture up. <clears throat> and then Christian Alt. This is my annual Christian Alt deserves to be Ooh. in the UK Hall of Fame. Yeah, I love this Brent every year. 462 tackles at Kentucky. The only player that has more tackles than Christian Alt is Jim Kovach, and he had over 500. Put it this way. We were talking about Mike Edwards being the best safety ever, and he, he – it took him into his senior year to get over 300 tackles, albeit a different position. Mm-hmm. But that that's that, that's a measuring stick there. 462 tackles is a number, Nick Rouse, that will never be surpassed ever. No, no. If you're if you're poised to get 462, you're going to the NFL as a junior. And you're not going to get it, right? Right. right. So yeah. that number will never ever be topped. I think Christian Hall is well-deserving of the Hall of Fame. 
and one of the best players to ever play at Kentucky, a retired state trooper. That is my Christian off for the Hall of Fame plug for now, and I'll get more into it as I as I go. But the reason I put his picture up was 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 I teammates of mine and guys that I know. I still feel responsible for it. Does that make sense? I get it. You're uh, you're a guy who is in the public that still is uh, keeping their legacy alive. Where you know now, when you think about to the good old days, everything seems to stop at Tim Couch. So you've got to yeah. be a voice out there singing those guys' praises. Because if not, then nobody else will. That that you just nailed it. That's why I do all that. It's not glory. I mean, I don't you know, put pictures of myself out there. It's, it's my teammates and, and guys that I've known that, and also highlights the information that is not publicly known about the uniforms. You know, I put the picture of Mark Higgs up there in the blue on blue. Now I was wrong about that. I thought that the tradition was for a very long time that blue on blue was worn at the first night game of the season. And I was corrected by Rick Toby where, uh, he was a manager uh, for many years at Kentucky that blue on blue was worn for home games during the months of October, and November. So huh. that was a tradition at Kentucky for many years. And then it just so happens. I had a, a picture of Mark Higgs and blue on blue with Christian Ott, the classic road uniforms for many years, blue pants, white Jersey, obviously the, the, the white helmets with the, with the two stripes. Now, with the helmets, you know, the Power K was there from Kersey era all the way mm-hmm. through Claiborne. There were two stripes on the helmet, two blue stripes. Yes. In 1990, Bill Curry came in and changed that right. to one, one stripe. So but it changed it, then. Now, wasn't there something where you could earn three stripes? Yes. No. You or, could earn you could earn a black outline of the that, K. That's what it was. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I knew there was something something yeah. like that. Yeah, the first two to ever earn that honor were Randy Holleran, who another, in my opinion, four hundred plus tackle guy at UK is is worthy of a Hall of Fame, and was a bad man. I mean, he, Mel, we talked about Melvin Johnson, Randy Holleran would hit you so hard your grandmother wouldn't make biscuits for you the next morning. That's how hard he would hit you. And uh, Randy Holleran and Joey Couch were the first two to, to earn the black outline around the K. Now, eventually they went that look for everybody, but it, it used to have to be earned, and Joey Couch, Randy Holleran were the first to, to earn those. So I, I'm a uniform kind of historian, and, and I enjoy that, but that's the reason – that I've been putting those out there for for the, for the uniforms and also to bring light on players that I think are well deserving. Uh, Oliver Barnett, Mark Higgs, uh, Randy Holleran, Christian All, and other guys that I've put out there. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel responsible. I mean, that's just just the way it is. I have a I have a platform, and, and I'm not going to stop uh, uh, promoting uh, my guys, and I'm not going to stop uh, bringing light. Uh, their contributions to the Kentucky football program because I think there's a there's a there's an era that is completely overlooked and uh, it's I, I take it personally to to bring that light to to the fans so that's why I do that I uh 
you know, we just kind of almost glaze over the power K. That's what people like the most. And Freddie, I think people, as much as we love seeing on the helmets, I think a lot of folks forgot what it looked like actually on the field too. What made yeah. it a power K is the darn K went from 30 to 30. It was enormous. <laughs> it was the yeah. entire field pretty much. Yeah. I, I always thought that was cool as a kid. Um, yeah. And it, it would be great if they busted, you know, the old school out for one night. I'm yeah. just in recent years, we, we had the black uniforms for a while and then switched to the anthracite. Uh, you know, I love the salute to the coal folks, but I think we can change up the anthracites now. Let's let's get a yeah. different alternate. It's been four or five years. Let's let's throw a different alternate out there. Yeah, and let me be for perfectly clear on this. And I differ from people on this. The historians, the traditionalists, I differ from them. Kentucky is a football program right now that needs to have pizzazz with uniforms like it does like the chrome helmets, like mm-hmm. the different variations. I'm all for that because the players pick out the uniforms for the week. Uh, the uniforms are aimed at 16, 17, 18-year-old prospects. It's not aimed at my demographic. I am all for changing uniforms, uh, flashy. I'm all for what Kentucky does now. I think it's smart because Kentucky's not Alabama. Kentucky's not Clemson or Georgia that have those tradition uniforms that's been around for decades. Kentucky has changed uniforms so much. If you did a throwback, which era are you going to throw back to? The Brooks era, the mummy, the three-stripe pants and helmet mummy era? You're going to go back to the Claiborne Kersey era? I think you got to go two stripes. I, I think you got to go super old if you do a throwback because the let's be honest, the couch and on are pretty similar. Uh, Jared's were actually probably the most boring, but it was just people were excited because they wore blue helmets for the first time. I hate blue helmets. I hate blue helmets if they don't have a stripe. Oh yeah, well, and the, yeah. it also goes I like, back I like to the you know where their their eyes are looking and all that stuff. Yeah, too. yeah. That that's why. That's why. Yeah. Uh, that's why you have a stripe on the helmet because you get to see on film where the player's eyes are during their play. So that that's how all that got started. But yeah, um, but I'm a uniform buff, man. But I, I think UK's flash and pizzazz of what they do now is exactly is perfect. And, and I'm all for Kentucky going all Oregon and doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the uniforms if it helps with recruiting, and it does. Uh, there's only a handful of programs in college football that can use one uniform and, and stick to that for generations. Alabama is one that you, you automatically think of. USC is one. Uh, Michigan. Clemson has had the same uniforms. Georgia, even though uh, uh, they changed up for a little bit. Georgia did. And, and people did not like that. And they went back to the traditional look. So I'm all for what Kentucky does now, but I also want to show appreciation of, of past and history. And, uh, and that's why I've been doing that. Nick Roush. Well, we appreciate you doing, especially on a throwback Thursday. That's why I had to throw up a picture of you on the Facebook page today for any. Oh, really? I've not yeah. seen it. Yeah. Had to do it. Had to do it, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, had to do it. Are you excited? What What are you most excited about going into spring practice? Uh, and we'll touch on defense next week, but offensively. Uh, just 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 football um, in a quarterback competition. It'll eventually get annoying at some point, but when it's brand new, 
and it, it's fun it's exciting and right now we've only got two guys stealing the show there's gonna be a third guy to inject even more juice into it this summer so i just i, I love it i absolutely love it. it even though at times it can be in previous quarterback competitions freddie they kind of annoyed me because I felt like there was one person that was obviously better than the others. This time, it really the, – the margins between what will be all three, I think, are rather slim. Uh, and it's not like if one guy wins it, you're worried. Like, oh, no, if he's winning, what does that mean about the rest of them kind of deal? Like, I – you know, no offense to, like, Gunnar Hoke, but, like, that dude, he, he was a fine backup, but he was not going to be a starter in the SEC. That That, that was kind of – where I was the last go around where we had one this time it's it's I'm genuinely excited to see what these guys can do in this offense I want to see one Dale I mean I really do that that's what I'm looking forward to the most is is watching one Dale and everything that he can bring to the team now you know obviously he won't be live on returns that, that we get to see and that's going to be a big part of his game is punt and kickoff return but uh that's who I want to see this spring is Wondell Robinson uh, I mean, he's he's shown flashes, and you know, obviously, is, when you're so finalist funny. for the Hornick Award, you're 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 legit. I I want to see that. I know, but we're only going to get how many plays of him in the spring game? Yeah, well, and, yeah, I know. And that's yeah. that's if we have a spring game. We still don't know when all of this stuff is is going down. So right, we do know that March 31st is Pro Day, though. Yes, yes, which I'm excited for. Like you got some dudes. Uh, yeah. You know, we talked about it last week, but every time it gets brought up, it's like, oh, the, I, I'm just, I'm really excited for how high some of these guys are already ranked and we haven't even gotten into the pro days and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, this, this, the, the, the 2021 draft is going to be very kind to Kentucky. Very, very kind. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be exciting. Oh yeah, Definitely. When Nick Crouch, I'm going to get back to relaxing with my, with my cat, man. Okay, well. Uh, cats, so are, cats are soothing. Did you know that? They're supposed to be good for your health. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, my dog can sometimes drive me nuts, so that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Da- Daisy's her name, right? Daisy May, yeah. Old Daisy. Daisy May. Yeah. It makes sense for a cat's fan to have a cat, too. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Who, who, who are we playing basketball this weekend? Uh, the Gators. Good for nothing, Florida Gators. Where at? You know, as much as we hated basketball last week, I'm loving it now. Kicking the hell out of Tennessee. It'll it'll do that to you. Oh, college basketball still stinks, but I'm glad that Kentucky, you know. Look at the SEC right now. Who's good? Honest to God. Kentucky. A team. Be- best, hey, team in, best team to ever play basketball. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but <laughs> who's good? Alabama is losing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's not a good team in the league. So it's going to make March Madness insane. It's going to make the SEC tournaments uh-huh. very winnable for Kentucky. So we play Florida here or there? Here. 17 point win by the Cats. Oh, love it. I love it, Freddie. And 17. I, I, I'm excited. I got the, the, the March Madness juices flowing. Conference tournament's about to start. I'm going to be hanging out at KS Bar, just chowing down, throwing That's down. Me it's too. Gonna be, it's going to be a great time. Now, college basketball stinks, you know, but I think the fact that it sucks this year is going to make the tournament that much better because anything can happen on any given day. I mean, other than Gonzaga, there's, you know, Baylor, I guess. I've not really watched them, but 
Who else? So it's going to make the tournament great. It's going to make the tournament great for drama, for intrigue, for interest. And I am also going to be at KS Bar, uh, probably writing about football, but I'll be there with my computer up watching basketball games. So, yeah, uh, I think we're all going to be doing that from time to time. So folks can come join us and hang out and eat chicken wings with us. Oh, man, can't wait. Cannot wait. All right, Nick Rouse. Well, listen, man, you have a, a great weekend. Thank you for everybody that listened today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend and get ready for that 17-point win over the Gators as we get closer to spring practice. So hopefully, uh, hopefully pretty soon the news will start coming out a little bit more from uh, the Joe Craft Football Training Center. And if so, we'll have everything covered with me and, and, and Nick and Adam Luckett. And then don't forget Zach on the recruiting side. He's doing a great job there. Make sure you're following him. So he's talking to listening. a lot of guys from your neck of the woods too. Some some yeah, some Corbin guys. Uh, yeah, he was talking to Grant Bingham last week. So so many. I saw that Oklahoma's getting involved with Longmire from Corbin. So that <laughs> oh man, that's interesting. Don't, that throws a wrench into things. Yeah, from from Corbin to Norman, that will be an interesting <laughs> move for Trevor Beyond. So yeah. Uh, Keep keep tuned. Keep listening. Thank you so much for listening. We sure do appreciate you. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk next week. <laughs>